Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm a happy girl today because I get to talk to somebody who's from where I'm from, Long Island, New York. What, what? And what, um, what? what, what? <laughs> Strong Island. Exactly. <laughs> it's so embarrassing to say that, but I certainly said that a lot as a teenager. Um, Dr. Kavita Marawala is the founder of Marawala Dermatology in Long Island, New York. And I don't typically read bios before I introduce somebody, but there are a few key things I want everybody to know that are super impressive. So anybody that is a woman killing it out there in the medical industry, I'm going to give more love to than anybody else. Okay. So thank you. That's my truth. Okay. So author of a lot of published articles, which is like baller status, and then wrote the book, The Business of Dermatology. So excited. Uh, trained at Yale for residency. Um, been on many national and international stages. Noted for sharing injection techniques during live demonstrations at the American Academy of Dermatology. Speaking engagement, private practice. <laughs> himself, got some PAs, holding it down, seeing patients, doing podcasts, all while having three children. Yeah, three little boys. Probably that's the hardest job I have, to be honest. Holy. So, well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. You know, I love being able to talk to other amazing women about business, about life and balance, because I think it's these tips and these tidbits of conversations that we share with each other that kind of keep us going, right? Like, I want to know what is it that other people are doing and how can I be better at what I'm doing? And I know that women uh, one of the nicest parts of having female friendships and that collegiality is we share with each other because let's be honest, we understand the struggle. The struggle is real. We've said that to yes. each other already. And, you know, entrepreneur life and a lot of people, when I talk about the business of medicine, they're like, oh, but it's medicine. No, right. Right. it's business. Of course, you are here to take the basal cell carcinoma off my forehead. Super grateful <laughs> for that. Give me my Botox, you know, maybe some Juvederm. But at the end of the day, this is a business and, um, and it is difficult and sharing knowledge is so, so powerful. Yeah. You know, I think that when people talk about the business of medicine, just like you're alluding to, they make it seem like it's a dirty word, but the reality is, is that I take care of my patients as a doctor, Mm -hmm. but I employ my medical staff, my medical assistants, my billers as an employer. I have a small business and you know, the commodity or what I sell is my knowledge. And that's definitely something that's, you know, regulated and we take insurance and everything like that. But I also have to have the added pressure of, I got to keep the lights on. My computers have to be running. The phones have to be working. And I have to have enough people here to actually make sure that I can execute being a doctor effectively 
and well, because the door's not open, no one's being seen. That is so true. So tell me about your journey into entrepreneur land. What happened where you were like, you know what? I'm going in business on my own. I can do this. Share with us a little bit about how that happened. Were you in practice with others before? Let's hear the deets. Yeah. So I have a little bit of an interesting journey in that um, my family, my parents are both in private practice. So that kind of independent rebellion streak, I think, is one that I was born with. Um, That being said, I did kind of take the safer route when I first finished residency. I did a fellowship at Yale also. And I stayed on faculty. I came to New York. Um, I met a boy while I was a resident. We got married. I lived in New York City and I was on faculty. I love teaching residents. What I found when I was working in an academic institution, though, was that the things that were making it hard for me to see patients had nothing to do with me. It was about whether they could get through on the phone lines, how long they were waiting in a waiting room with how many people and were the facilities as clean as I wanted them to be. And it's one thing when you're an employee, you sort of don't have that much say in the system. And after a while, I was like, you know what? I can do this better. I went to medical school to treat patients. And that's what I love doing. I hate bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to deal with drama, I'd rather be the drama that I make for myself mm-hmm. rather than like the drama made for me by people who have nothing to do with patient care. So that's sort of the independent streak. And then I also felt like, you know what? I've never met a a dermatologist who starved to death. And I'm a simple person. Like I'm good with hamburgers. I don't need to have steak every night. And my husband, he was a fellow. And I was like, you know, we have no big expenses. We're not, you know, boo-boo-shishi people. (laughs) So I'm going to try. I'm going to give it a whirl. And I figured the worst thing that happens is that I fall flat on my face and nobody comes to see me. And, you know, then I'm asking my dad if, you know, what am I doing next? And my parents were both really supportive. They said, sure. Of course, life is never what you plan it to be. Um, I heard this saying from somebody who is an entrepreneur in the beauty space. And they said, you know, people always think like, oh, you made it big. Like, it, what's that one moment? And what they don't realize is that moment was 10 years in the making. Right. Um, so like you see it as like a sudden overnight success, but overnight's been for years and years and years. For me, um, I was a little bit older when I got married and it turns out I was pregnant when I decided I was going to start a practice. Most people would not do that. (laughs) And the way I looked at it is like, well, the baby's coming. Now I'm just going to have two of them and it's going to be fine. And we're just going to keep going. So for me, my mantra has been, look, like you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, because no matter what, even though some of those steps may feel like they're backwards, you're always going to end up ahead in a month from now than you are today. And that's all you got to kind of think about. So tell me about, um, because you're so spot on. I mean, this is my life. You know, I, I tell everybody that I work with, like, if you have a great team around you, if you have great people around you you will be able to be successful, but, you know, hiring the right people, right spot, like all of it is so important. So tell me how long have you been in practice now on your own? So I've been in practice for about nine years. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things when I was leaving academics, one of the people said, you know, if you leave here, you'll never make it anywhere. Like you, no one will know you. And I was like, "Hmm, that sounds like a good motivating phrase. I got this. And, um, 
But what I did is I was careful about my dollar, right? So I didn't like start out in my own building or with some thousands of square feet of space. That's not the way you build. Mm-hmm. So I um, right, I sublet a space. I found a beautiful office from an OBGYN who had a gorgeous practice, a gorgeous office, and he let me use two rooms. Mm-hmm. And you have to be available. So my office hours were in the evenings. I worked from three to eight. And yeah, that that sucked. But you know what? I built. So you know, I was available. I tried to be as nice as I could, you know, in medicine, you have to get the diagnoses right. So that was one thing I had to make sure like, okay, do I know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, that worked out luckily. And then I had a um, secretary who I would transfer the phones to her voicemail to like a cell phone that she carried around. So she got to be at home because I didn't have office space that was mine 24 seven. She answered the phones and I saw patients and I had one nurse and I ran around, you know, And so that's what you do. A year later, I was able to rent my own space. I put some money into an existing office space that I knew needed upgrades, but I said, you know what, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And then within three years, I'd outgrown that. And then I built my own office, two stories. Um, The advice everybody always gives you is like, you know, build more than you think you'll ever need. And so I thought I did. Um, and you know, again, like now we're in four years in this space and I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I had a little bit more, but that's okay. Like those are champagne problems to have, but I didn't start out with 16 rooms. I built my way up to it. I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how can I work in a little bit more of an efficient lean way? Um, and then again, just always thinking about how can I like, almost like, make the wheel a little bit faster um, and doing things that are patient centered. Cause at the end of the day, I'm a doctor. Cause I love seeing patients. Like I don't want to be somebody who's just like administrative or, you know, like in an office somewhere else thinking about these problems. I, w- I love seeing patients. And so for me, if you get up every day and you get to do that, you're good. Don't get me wrong. Some days I'm like, stop, I can't do this. <laughs> um, the HR part feels like, you know, a pain point. Yes. The humans are, are not easy. No. Mm-hmm. And especially these days, it's really hard to find people in the middle of a pandemic um, and people who want to come every day. It's mm-hmm. very hard. Um, but one thing that I think was an advantage for me is that I never felt like I was too good to do any part of the job. Good for you. So I, you know, because I built it literally from nothing, it's a mom and pop shop. Like mm-hmm. I answer the phones if I need to. I know how to fix things. I know how to, you know, make appointments, schedule appointments, check the billing, push out the billing if I need to. I mean, it's, it's not pleasant. But it also means that if something goes really wrong, I can still keep the doors open. All of my clients have heard me say a million times and any doctor that I have in my life is that you have to know enough to be dangerous. You cannot be in a space where if you hire somebody to do your social media that you don't know how to post something that right. you go out, right? Because then- A hundred percent. Because you're paying somebody then to do something. And of course you would think they're doing a great job. That's what the company is, but you really do. You have to- no enough. So you starting out being what I like to call scrappy because I'm a scrappy yeah. girl myself. I don't know if that's we're from Long Island. Long yeah, Island is a scrappy. It has a lot to do with it. You know, we had a grind every day. Every um, day. Every day. But it's so worth it because now you do. You probably have a great appreciation for the growth. You have gratitude because you didn't start with the bougie. 
Yeah. It's funny because, you know, like whenever we bring in some people, I always tell them, I say like, you know, you have to remember that the fact that we have multiple phone lines, is like a big deal to me still, you know, like I know all the computers that we have here and it looks like we've got all this tech and we've got all these lasers, but like, I know how big a decision it was for me to decide we're doing a two networks in our office. You know what I mean? Like all these little things that you just assume are there. Yeah. When you're building your own shop, you remember where each, you know, steel girder is placed. And I think, so it's been satisfying. It's satisfying to see it grow. But I think there are definitely points where the growing pains happen, like in any business. And that's the business of medicine part of it that I think people don't always realize. So I want to be able to give the audience an opportunity because I do have some people in New York that listen to you. So I want to shout out what you're doing over there. Obviously, you're a dermatologist, but if you were on the stages, you know, and you're talking about injection techniques, you must have some of, you know, myself and my girlfriend's favorite things. A little Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Yeah. You know, a little tighten up, a little PRP. You doing PRP? Yes, I love PRP. Love um, we've been doing it for years and years. Um, sort of be- before it became like uh, more of the sort of normal trend. Um, so we've been doing yeah. yeah. So we've we've been uh, exactly. So we've been doing it for hair. Uh, we do it for skin. We do it a lot for wound healing after other laser procedures. It makes downtime so much less. So I I happen to love it. I'm a big fan. And I, you know, I also like talking to people a lot about ways to alter the aging process in more holistic ways. One of the things that happens in dermatology is, you know, I I treat serious things. I treat melanomas. I treat basal cells. I treat skin cancers. And I do that reconstructive surgery. But the other thing about being a woman dermatologist is like, I'm not immune to aging. I'm aging too, you know, like I have chubby areas. The 19 part of COVID-19 is real. And so I feel like it's a way for me to also normalize for my patients and for my female patients that look, we're all, no one wants to be, you know, in a 40 year old body and looking 20 because it doesn't look right. But if I can make sure that when I'm in my 15, 60 year old body, I'm really happy with that person. That's the most important thing. And I feel like it is a a space and a forum when you're in my office that you can tell me, look, this is what I feel vulnerable about, or this is what I feel self-conscious about. What can we do? Um, And my reputation is people will always be like, oh, Marilyn is never going to let you do that. Because I do, I say no to women a lot. So we're really hard on ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, So so hard. So hard. People come in like, do you see this? I'm like, okay. I'm going to be your friend right now. And can you please like stop being mean to my friend? Cause she's really beautiful. And like, can you not obsess about this thing that nobody can see? 
Well, everybody talks to themselves way worse than they would ever talk to somebody that they love. We know that. Exactly. A hundred percent. Absolutely. We need to do better self-talk. And that is 100% for these women, because we don't see men walking around talking about COVID-19 pounds that they put on. They don't care. Those they don't care. Are good. They're like, look at this and proud of it. So, um, oh my God, talking to you just really just makes me miss New York so much. I've been in Tampa Bay for 17 years now. Um, and my best friend is a nurse practitioner in Long Island still. And um, really and truly, like, there's just this wonderful sense of, of being real, just having this real talk yeah. and telling people like it is instead of just selling them something that they don't need. I'm sure just from your personality, knowing that they're going to get what you think that they should have, not what is going to bring you more you know, dinero. Yeah. Because you know what, at the end of the day, that's not what sustains your business, mm-hmm. right? Cause that's actually the key to the business part of medicine is that build trust. You have a brand. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the mom and pop hardware store because they told you the best type of paint to use, or they gave you the screw that you didn't even realize that like, you needed and how to fix something and get better shelf life out of something. It's the same concept, at least in the aesthetic medicine space is you oversell people. Okay. Yeah. You might get that on this visit, but they'll never be your patient again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, my goal is to be there for the lifespan of people. And, you know, when we joke about the COVID-19 and I certainly feel that, and I often tell patients, I'm like, look, your body kept you alive in a pandemic. True. Good job, body. Like, thank right. you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for keeping yeah. me alive. So yeah. we're good. We'll get the 19. Like we'll get the weight off. We'll do whatever. Um, but you know, the business part of it's interesting because in addition to seeing patients, it's like not enough. You have to think about marketing. You have to think about how is customer service. Um, quality in healthcare is real. Yeah. You want to run that place more like a Ritz Carlton than a medical office. Yes. And I think that's where it is. It's hard because you need staff. Um, you know, you need that kind of level of service and it's one that I, you know, we struggle with. Mm-hmm. Right during pandemic, I was like, "How are we going to provide this kind of care mm-hmm. when we can only have this many people in a building at a given time?" Yeah. So it it's definitely provided some unique challenges for sure. So tell me, um, I also have another friend, Dr. Mudgill. He's a dermatologist. I know him well. He's so nice. You love him. I have to read his book. He just wrote a book, and I'm terrible because he read mine. So I'm going to order now that we've said his name out loud. We should get his book. And we should get his book. Yes. I'm going to read your book. I'm going to read his book. <laughs> support everybody. But he's such a great guy. And and we talked um, in the beginning of the pandemic on this show um, and uh, and a few times since. And, you know, he was shut down for a while and has a lot of friends that are dentists that, you know, just had to close their practice. There was so right. much sad um, going on, you know, not just the pandemic, but in the economic world and in the, in the medical world that so many people lost their businesses. So I yeah. want to know two things. Number one, I want to know how did you waver through? Because it feels like it was forever ago, but it's only only been a year. Yeah. We're still trying to climb out um, what it was like then, what it's like now. And then what did you learn from 2020? So I'll answer the last question first. Mm -hmm. 2020 was the year of constantly moving. Mm -hmm. You could have taken the pandemic and said, okay, that's it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Or you have to say, you know what? I have no choice. I have to make 
lemonade right now. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep moving. So for me, uh, we did a lot of telehealth. Mm-hmm. We stayed open for critical months. Um, to, so we shut down our aesthetic side, but because I do medical and surgical dermatology, we had to keep that open. Sure. We kept it open to keep people out of the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So that you had rashes, you had whatever, you came here. We made it safe for you. I think I sutured more pediatric patients falling off bikes than <laughs> ever before in my life because they were for our patients. You know, they were like, oh my God, my kid fell and I don't want to, I'm too afraid to take her to the emergency room. Can you help us? And I do a lot of surgical dermatology. So yeah, we did it. We, you know, that's what I do. I put faces back together. So we did a lot of that and we did virtual consultations. We leaned into, as time went on, product sales. We do this event every year called a Sparkle event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a big sale once a year and we made it virtual and we did it over a year. And I leaned into the stuff that I love to do, which is education. So I started this thing on Instagram Live for the residents in dermatology. Um, they were kind of left in the dust. They still had to take their board exam and all the in-person review courses were not happening. Right. So every night at eight o'clock, I gave them 20 questions at 20 o'clock. So it's called 20 at 20. And it was awesome. I found a way to build a community for education that was different than what people were traditionally used to learning. And, you know, again, remember I told you earlier that like that one guy said like, oh, if you leave here, you'll be nothing. And when you leave academics, sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, Does that mean I can't ever teach again? I love teaching. So for me, it was like that added drive of like, "Mm, I can do this. And I'm known for, you know, the, the textbooks that I've written and stuff like that. So we just had this awesome community. And I think I ended up giving like 412 lectures. Wow. Yeah. Through the pandemic. Um, Sometimes I did two days and it was great because the residents who then passed their boards, they sent me these magnets and I have like a whole desk full of magnets. And it was just like, I don't know, you find, you got to keep moving. So I forced myself to find joy and meaning and purpose in areas that I kind of didn't have time for before. Mm. Um, And it opened up new avenues for business, new avenues for exploration that you know, just continuing to do what I was doing, I might not have otherwise allowed myself to challenge and explore. So for me, I kept seeing patients at a reduced schedule, of course, but then I branched out into the other parts of Durham that I love and it ended up being actually totally fine. Yeah, good for you. I mean, living the real 2021 life, teaching on Instagram, (laughs) love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so somebody like me, I was like, wait, I don't even know how to go live. I mean, my first few ones, I was like, this is terrible. What button do I push? And I mean, well, it's like recording. I was like, oh my God. And I bet um, everybody loved that. But People you know, it, you kind of, you find yourself and then you feel more authentic. Like, you know, we were saying before, I was like, oh God, I have my glasses on. I don't even have my contacts on. You're like, it's fine. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. It is fine. Like no one's, they don't need the glam. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah. We, we think more about what we look like and what we sound like than anybody else. Yeah, we are, yeah, again, yeah. Worst credit. Um, I'm so grateful that we were able to have this chat because I think that, you know, I just got off with two doctors, an allergist and a pediatrician. I used to run his practice many years ago and I connected them and I love, love, love connecting people because I really do think that that is how we all step out of of fear into faith 
by seeing other people, seeing other doctors, seeing other women like you do that yeah. too. Not easy. <laughs> Even today, it's not easy. The humans no. showing up every day. Right. <laughs> right. Let's not sugarcoat it. I'm like, if anybody's looking for a job, please call me. <laughs> I'm happy to put that word out for you too. Um, really and truly, it is a very difficult time and it will remain. Listen, business is hard. Life is hard. Yeah. Medicine is hard. Yeah. But, um, you have really, really done so well. I'm so grateful for this time. I highly recommend everybody follow you on Instagram. I'm going to be looking for some more lives. And I'm hoping that you forget what button it is because that's always the most interesting for me. And, um, and we'll have all the information about how to contact you and to follow you. And I'm going to get that book because I think that it could be very helpful for me. You know, I think what was nice about the book is that we gathered a bunch of people who were really interested in giving honest advice. So it's almost like you're meeting for coffee with, you know, 40 successful people who are going over the step-by-step -step on how to set it up. Um, and just reading it and editing it, I was like, oh, I learned so many things. So I, I'm really proud of the book. Um, and I'm proud of the way that, you know, you, when you combine business with medicine, it's not trying to commoditize medicine. It's right. actually creating a space where you can deliver better care and make sure that you stay open so that you can actually be the doctor you want to be. Yeah. I mean, so many go to medical school and don't, and are unhappy because they're not getting yeah. to do what they want to do. Um, you have to be able to step out a little bit if you want to do what you are built exactly. to do. You know, what you're built to do. Yeah. Is your book on Audible? It's not on Audible. Um, I know. I I'm know. Help you do that. You're going to put okay. it on Audible because you have a great voice, a great personality, and everybody in the world is listening to Audible. So we're going to get you on Audible. Okay. I'm I'm all about that. Thank you for that offer. <laughs> I will absolutely take you up on it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And you know, next time you're on Long Island, you got to come visit. Listen, I'm telling everybody about you. So it's home, girl. It's home. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, Sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.